Good morning, friends. A late Merry Christmas, maybe an early Happy New Year. You guys choose what you would like. There's nobody in auditorium, too, so don't say hello to you. But to all those who stayed up really late watching Clemson and are watching on YouTube Live, hello at home. Good to see you guys. And they just turned it off because they saw it wasn't Charlie or Jim. But <laughs> fine. It's your loss. All right. My name is Matt Rexford, one of the worship leaders here. It's time for my once every two years teaching slot, so glad to be with you today. Uh, I'm excited to share with you something that I asked the leadership if I could share about, and they said no, and so I just, I told Charlie that Jim was speaking, and I told Jim that Charlie was speaking, and then I just walked up here. This is what, I guess I could speak whenever I want with that trick, so. All right, they did say yes, and so they're aware that I'm here. Rexford's had a good Christmas, as I hope you did too. We had one little adventure on Christmas Eve. We returned home around 10 p.m. from a family gathering. And in the chaos of getting all the kids out of the car and into the house, our one-year-old puppy got into the garage and jumped into the minivan. And so I guess my wife had taken the, the cinnamon roll dough to the party because I'm not a baker, but I guess every once in a while you have to punch it. You have to punch it down. Is this right? Just to show it who's in charge, you just punch it every once in a while. And so our hideous beast, Harvey, he sees a tub of dough, and it has risen, and the top has come off. It has risen indeed. And he decides <laughs> that he's just going to, this is a special Christmas treat for me, I guess. So he just, we find him eating that. And it was very depressing because my wife had worked so hard that day to get all this stuff done and go to bed at a reasonable time. So... I lean towards scrapping the cinnamon rolls or just making dog slobber cinnamon rolls. Those are my two ideas. But on the strength finder test, my wife's top strength is belief, which means that she has very intense values. And one of those values is that if you don't have fresh cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning, the whole day could implode upon itself and vaporize the universe. And so I had to drive to a deserted Walmart parking lot to meet my father-in-law to get yeast and flour and that probably didn't look shady at all passing a bag of white powder between cars <laughs> and then zooming away it was very natural and so we had to start the whole cinnamon roll process over we meaning she my wife it really is the most wonderful time of the year isn't it so always something Harvey did feel bad that's Harvey uh he felt kind of bad. <laughs> or he's probably just scratching his nose. That's probably what's up. So today is not super complicated, everybody, but here's where we're headed this morning. For the past several years, the church has put a Bible reading plan before you as we start each calendar year. Because Hebrew, Hebrews 4 tells us the Word of God is living and active, and it pierces our souls in a good way. And each one of us in Christ can come before God directly and we can read his word and hear from the spirit what he wants to say to us for each day. And I think that's been a huge win for our church. It's been that for my life. And some of us have read through the whole Bible for the first time ever. And some of us have discovered that we really can read the Bible for ourselves. So boil down to the simplest big idea. Today I want to introduce the direction that we want to head for 2020 as we pursue a relationship with God every day in His Word. 
But before I get specific with that, I just have to lay a couple of foundation stones on which to, to build the house. And so I'd like to put forth a couple of duh statements. That's what I'm calling them today. They're like, duh. It's like obvious, but true, but often ignored. That to me is like a duh statement. So kids, I'm going to ask you to help me out since you're in here today. I'm going to give a couple examples and all the kids, you get to say duh after that. Okay, you ready? So something like this, a Chick-fil-A combo, number one, chicken sandwich, waffle fries, and sweet tea is probably the best fast food lunch in the world. Duh, that's right. Everyone knows that, right? But here's another one. If you want your gifts to look nice when they're wrapped, don't ask the husband. Duh. For most of us, it's not in our skill set. When I'm done with a present, it looks like I had oven mitts on, like it was a junior high youth group game. It just looks terrible. Or the third one, this was very obvious, on the screen, Matt Rexford should not have a mustache. Duh. I do that twice a year just for comedic effect for one day only. So if you ever see me with a mustache, that's what's happening. By the way, kids, listen up. Important announcement. Don't say duh to your parents because that will not go well for you and it won't be my fault because I just warned you. So, <laughs> duh, says dad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so in relation to the Christian life, pursuing and knowing God, I have two duh statements that I propose as a framework. Things you've heard before, they're obvious, true, but often ignored. So here's the first one. Reading the Bible for yourself is absolutely critical to growing in your faith. Reading the Bible for yourself is absolutely critical to growing in your faith. For yourself, that is outside of the gathered church and worship, you can read and understand this book. And it's vital to your personal growth as you follow Christ. The public preaching of the Word, of which we are, man, we are blessed to be recipients of amazing teaching week in and week out, but it was never meant to be the only thing that sustains you and that teaches you about God. Let's turn in our Bibles now to Psalm chapter 19. I know a lot of us have our phones. That's fine. Paper Bibles. Psalm chapter 19. That's in the Old Testament. Really long book. When you get to Psalm 19, we're going to read verses 7 through 11. And we're going to see some of the descriptions of this Word of God and what it does in our lives, some of the benefits. And I personally, I like our occasional practice after reading the Word where the leader will say, this is the Word of God for the people of God. And then your line is, thanks be to God. It's thanks be to God. That's your line. It's a great reminder just of the blessing of having Scripture. So in order to keep us awake and active, I invite you to stand. And we're going to read this out loud together. So this is the ESV version, if that's the Bible you have. Or it'll be on the screens if you don't have any of those. Feel free to read it from there. So let's read out loud together. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, 
and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Do you join me for a quick prayer? Just in your heart, I invite you to echo these words. Holy Spirit, open up my heart to understand truth today. And Holy Spirit, point out the areas in which I need to change. Yes, may that be true. You guys can take a seat. So a few observations on these verses, and and I thank my friend Jason Malone for some of his notes on this passage. Remember, Jason was here preaching exactly one year ago on this Sunday, and his, his phrase that he challenged us was to put ourselves in the way of grace. Remember that? That's one way to describe opening the word, creating space, is to put yourself in the way of grace. So first observation, these are the words, the commandments, the testimony of the Lord. I don't want to skip over that too quickly. 2 Timothy 3 tells us that all Scripture is breathed out by God. This book is direct communication from God. 2 Peter 1 says men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It got me thinking how... How would you feel if you received a handwritten note from maybe your favorite celebrity or if you have a favorite politician? I don't know if many people do these days, but or or a favorite businessman that you admired. I think you'd feel pretty special and important and you'd really pay attention to those words and you would read them and then you'd read them again, reread them and treasure that note. Well, this story, this law, this truth, this Bible was communicated by God, by the one who made the Grand Canyon and all the far galaxies, the one who's always existed. And he's written this to us as God's people. So how much more should we treasure those words? It's worth noting at the beginning, these are the words of the Lord. Second, notice the description of his words in this passage. We're going to walk pretty quickly through them, but in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. This word means flawless, but it also has a sense of completeness meant to cover every area of life. It's a comprehensive word. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Your testimony is your own words about your story. That's your, your experience as you tell it to others. Well, the psalmist says here, here's God's testimony about himself. You don't have to wonder. His testimony is sure, meaning trustworthy. In verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. And we usually think of the word right as just diametrically opposed to wrong. Well, that's obviously true, but this word means to point you in a right direction. It's like a course to set you on a right path. The precepts are right. And the commandment of the Lord is pure. There was a famous preacher named Charles Spurgeon. And his commentary on this verse says that no mixture of error defiles it. And no stain of sin pollutes it. It's pure in its truth. There's nothing rotten in it that would cause it to decay 
or lose strength over time. And then David gives us the last two in verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. This one stumped me the most. It's probably the most confusing description because it doesn't seem to fit with the others. But this phrase describes more of the, the spiritual effect that it can have on the hearers. It can cleanse the heart. It can sanctify those who follow it. And because it's clean, it endures forever. If something's clean and pure, it cannot be corrupted. And then the last one in verse 9, the rules of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. In a world of uncertainty, not being sure who you can trust, who's being honest with you, here is what you can find what is true. So those are some of the descriptions of God's Word in Psalm 19, its characteristics. And then our third observation, what are some of the benefits? Some of the benefits for those who read it and follow it. Well, back in verse 7 again, it revives the soul. It transforms our soul, our inner person. It brings wisdom to the simple. The word simple just means somebody who's easily misled, which is all of us sometimes. His testimony about himself brings discernment and wisdom for living to those who are misled. Verse 8 says the precepts that, that set us on a right path, they rejoice our hearts because we have movement, we have life change and purpose, and there's joy in walking the path that God has for us. Our eyes are enlightened, we have clarity and guidance. And then in verse 9, this word that endures forever is righteous and it produces in those that walk with him and follow his words, his ways, and his righteousness. We find life change, transformation, and growth in following him. So a quick summary of all that of Psalm 19. I'm going to put this on screen. It's not grammatically correct. It's more of a stream of consciousness if, if that bothers you. But for the visual learners, just a reminder, the word is God's law. His testimony, his precepts. God's command, God's fear, God's rules. And this word is perfect, comprehensive, it's sure, it's right and clear and clean and true. And it totally transforms people on the inside. It makes the easily misled skilled in aspects of living because we grow in wisdom. Produces a joy for all of life, not just the easy parts. Brings light to the dark things and the hard things. And it never fails because it has and it will always endure. And it brings about true life change, transformation in us. And I think you've probably heard most of those statements in your lifetime. You've read Psalm 19. You've heard sermons on it. So you know those things and you say, duh. Obvious, true, but often ignored. So a couple diagnostic questions. Does the way that you seek to read this word and make space for it in your schedule, does it reflect that you really believe all of that? That you trust those descriptions? That you need those benefits? Do you have a deep enough conviction that those things are really true so it influences how you act? That's foundation number one. Reading the Bible for yourself is critical to growing in your faith. And here's your second duh statement. Number two, the Christian life was designed to be experienced together. 
not alone. Together, not alone. We are we're meant to pursue God together, not as lone rangers doing the best that we can. A few examples from the Bible, if I could just walk through. I'll, I start with the fact that the very first man, Adam, God said, it's not good for you to be alone. So he created another for him to be with. And so our first precedent was set for Adam and Eve to walk with God together in the Garden of Eden. The nation of Israel is grouped together in tribes to live life. And then after they were scattered into captivity, they started to form synagogues so they could worship together wherever they found themselves. In the New Testament, we see our Savior, Jesus himself, he gathers a group of people around him. He has three very close friends. He has 12 disciples. He has a group of many followers and friends. And then in Acts chapter 2, our early church manifesto, they devoted themselves to fellowship and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. The Apostle Paul, he always had companions to travel with and minister with. Remember at the end of his letters, he was always greeting people. Say hi to this guy and say hello to this sister for me. He always had a long list of friends to greet. And then in Revelation, in scenes from the future, we were shown a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping forever in heaven together. Just a quick survey through the Bible shows us that from the beginning of time and the beginning of the church, God's people have not attempted to find their own individual walk with Him apart from others. And today's age is no different. We need each other to follow Christ. So most of the following is from something I'm going to introduce in a couple minutes called the Bible Reading Journal. But they have uh, some wonderful appendix in there that just describe some more of the, the philosophy. And this is from Appendix 3 called Community. And it says the following. The Bible teaches that our current community is a very powerful force in our lives. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So negatively or positively, those around us shape our thoughts and shape our choices. So kids, students, those in college, big warning, be very careful about your friendships. It's a big deal. Our current relationships powerfully shape us, positively and negatively. And not only do we change, we, we morph into the likeness of our community over time, but Hebrews chapter 3 teaches that we need an active gospel community every day to remain faithful. That if we live in isolation from other believers, our hearts can become quickly deceived by sin and hardened to the gospel. We're actually exhorted in this passage to exhort one another every day. It says that. We need to strongly encourage each other to confidently believe all that we have in Christ on a daily basis. So again, familiar territory, but a couple more diagnostic questions. Do you live your life like you need other people to grow? Do you invest in others with love? Are you involved in spiritual community of any kind? Do you buy into the fact that we're supposed to do this together? 
Just some things to think about. Those are my two duh statements to build on. They're obvious, they're true, but we often ignore them. Reading the Bible for yourself is critical to growing in your faith, and the Christian life was designed to be experienced together and not alone. So I'll put those two statements together in a little bit as I tell you about the Bible reading plan, but before I do that, here's a phrase I've been thinking about in regards to my own journey in Bible reading. And that's from, in, from achievement to engagement. From achievement to engagement. I think it's so easy to let our motivation to read the Bible, good thing, can lead us down a confusing path of achievement. A few stories from my childhood, if I may. When I was an elementary child in the blustery state of Michigan, I was in the Awana program at my church. Any other Awana people out there? Yes, be proud. It's okay, raise your hand. You get together on Wednesday night, you play games, you have your little vest on, get patches, you work through your books, you memorize verses. I have a lot of memories from Awana. I remember a costume party where we were invited to dress up as something from Noah's Ark, anything from Noah's Ark, and I chose dirt. That was... My, I had to be creative even then. Just the brown costume, what are you? I'm dirt. So one of my enduring memories is going to the Awana Olympics, which is as exciting as it sounds. And I was running the boys' marathon, which is six laps around the circle, which it's a very tiny circle. So you're basically just sprinting at a slant the whole time, just running, running in an oval. And then at the end, if you're not familiar, you would run into the circle and first place would grab like a bowling pin. And then underneath that is a bean bag. That was for the second place person. The whole winning system of an Awana game was set up for lawsuits. It was four children diving from separate directions towards the same location. The leading cause of head injuries in the 1990s was Awana, if you didn't know. <laughs> it's a proven fact. Anyway, for, for a child, it's really hard to remember how many laps you've run. And so you have an adult leader, and he would keep track. And so as I was running around the circle, my adult leader showed me a closed fist, which I took to mean I was done. And I ran in and I grabbed the pin in glorious victory and found out I had only run five laps and I was disqualified. Plus my drug test came back positive for steroids. <laughs> and so but that's a whole different thing. So I still carry some resentment towards this adult leader. Like how can one lap left be anything but one finger out, Gary? Come on. Be serious? So I'm still scarred for life. But anyway, the heart of the Iwana curriculum is memorizing verses. And so I learned a bazillion verses, which is never a bad thing. The Bible tells us when we memorize, when we hide God's word in our heart, it helps us not to sin against him. And Isaiah tells us that his word doesn't return empty. It doesn't return void to us. So I think there's so many rewards to it. And I think Awana is a great program, but I was pretty much doing it for achievement. I didn't really know any better at the time. I was, I was kind of doing all that to look good and to achieve. In high school, I participated in something called Bible Quiz. It was actually a pretty fun competition. I, I would memorize large parts of the Bible, sometimes 
a whole book of the Bible in order that I can answer questions in a team event. So basically each player would sit on an electronic, electronic pad on a chair and the moment that your little backside would raise off of the chair there would be a beep and then the person asking the questions, the quiz master, he would stop asking the questions. So most questions sounded like this. According to Luke 4.23, wah, and somebody had already jumped up. <laughs> and then you're standing there, you're locating that verse in your brain. Where in Luke 4.23 is a wah? <laughs> Very fun. It appealed to my mind. It appealed to being on a team. But again, I was pretty much tackling for achievement, not for engagement with God. So you add on to that chapels and Bible classes at Southside Christian Go Sabres, which are a good thing, and then chapel every day and Bible courses and worship courses at Cedarville University, which is a good thing. And I was pretty Bible-saturated by my early 20s. However, honestly, I wasn't really good at slowing down and at creating space to engage with God through this book. Uh, hearing from him and so through the last 10 years some of our previous reading plans I've gotten better I've learned some things about letting the Bible work on me and not doing it for achievement and of course I've got tons to learn and experience for as long as I live as we all do so if that's you if you resonate with feeling that achievement edge to Bible reading. I just want to tell you today that nobody's keeping score. Just you, probably. There's no heavenly scoreboard. You don't get any spiritual points with God for reading your Bible. Grace means that you're already perfectly and fully accepted because of Jesus. But now you get the opportunity, you get the privilege to engage with Him through this book. To know Him, to hear from Him, to relate to Him, to be counseled and convicted. So where this shows up a lot is if you miss a day, or let's be realistic, if you miss four days of your reading plan, been there, your achievement side, your perfectionist side will say, you better go back and get those days checked off or you're not going to get your points. Or it might say, it's too much, we missed too much, abandon the whole thing, we're done. Jump ship. But in our new, our new reading plan for this year, we want to propose a different way of thinking for you. This is not about achievement. It's about engagement. So all of that buildup for this, everybody. Here's a new tool that we're proposing for this upcoming year. It's called the Community Bible Reading Journal. CBR Journal for short. It's not CBD Journal. That's a <laughs> different journal. That's like, I just saw a unicorn in my oatmeal, man. It was amazing. <laughs> it's CBR, Community Bible Reading Journal, okay? So the logistics, the details are this. You have different options in the amount of Bible that you tackle. Although it's very clear the intent of this is not to read through the Bible in a certain amount of time. In the material, it describes reading through the Bible as a consequence and not a goal, if that makes sense. 
It's a tool that wants to help you connect with God and others every day. So there is a proposal for an Old Testament chapter every day if you want. If you followed that, you would read the Old Testament in three years. And then there's a proposal for a New Testament chapter, Monday through Friday. That would get you through the New Testament in one year. So as leadership, we want to recommend to you that you focus on the New Testament this year. One chapter per day, Monday through Friday. That's the New Testament. You Five chapters, Monday through Friday, and then a psalm on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we gather with the church together. That's the basic outline of it. I did have a good clarifying question. So there's a schedule in the front. It will say, June 3rd, read Luke chapter 14. So you know exactly what day you're supposed to read what chapter so that you're reading the same thing as others around you as you're sharing. And we hope to uh, include it more as a part of our congregational worship. Like we're all reading this together, readings from here, songs from here, something like that. So let's look at the journal a little bit. What's helpful about it? Here's a blank page. I know you guys can all read that on the left. But at the top, every day you're encouraged to start with a prayer of surrender. One of my favorite things about this method is just, just a moment of quiet. Just stop and breathe. And you can be creative with it. Ask to be transformed. Ask to understand. A submit. This is what I'm thinking about and worried about right now. It's just before you just fly into the Scripture, it's just a moment to... I love the word surrender. Just stop and surrender. And then as you read, you're invited, their language is to pray through your pen. So you see those four boxes there. I like to read a little of the passage and then turn it into prayers wherever it leads me. There's a box that talks about worship, to worship God. There's a confession box. There's a place to give thanks and a place if you need to ask for something. Just whatever, whatever the text brings to mind, I will stop and pray through my pen. And then how we integrate the community part that we talked about, the very bottom, the last question on the page is, how has God impacted you the most through today's passage? impacted you the most. I really like the emphasis on Bible reading as opposed to Bible study. So what's the difference? Well, in Bible study, we usually focus on the parts that confuse us, and we try to shine a light on the Word and figure that part out. In Bible reading, we allow the Word to shine a light on us, and we focus on the portions that speak to us every day. Both important, but we'd love to emphasize Bible reading. So what strikes you as you're reading? What good questions to think about? What touches an emotion? What directly applies to something that you're dealing with right then, that day? Whatever impacts you for the day, that's where the community part of reading the Bible together comes in. We're going to form some very simple community Bible reading groups and We've been doing this by text, but you're just invited to share your main thought with your group that day. So it's the final step to reading. You don't review your theological stance on all the symbols of Revelation. That's not what this is for. You just share the part of the reading that spoke to you the most, and it will encourage and challenge somebody else who reads it in your group. And likewise, the same for you as you read what they share. So our staff has been using this method for the past uh, few months. We started with some of the leaders, and then 
put the whole staff into smaller groups, and we really found benefit and growth from the communal part of sharing the Bible together. And so our next logical step was, hey, if this is making a difference in our lives, we want to invite the whole church to give this a try in the upcoming year. So to form a group, we really want this to happen as, as naturally, as organically as they can. So a group of friends that you already have, your small group that you're already meeting and doing life with, your ladies from your Bible study, maybe your family, mom, dad, some of the kids, teenagers could try it. There's a lot of flexibility in how you form a group and share. And it's possible, I've heard of people being in more than one group. They just copy and paste what they've learned to other groups. There's lots of options that you can figure out. I do know that some of you won't know where to start in forming a group, and that's okay. I, I believe Next Steps is closed today, but next Sunday, if you just want to stop by there and drop your name and say, I'd love to be in one of these groups, could you help me? We would love to assist in, in putting you in a CBR group. The journals, they're available out in the commons area. Uh, I believe that there was only about 30 or 40 left after first service. I was very effective at preaching first service. I was really, <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, we do have a reorder. We have a reorder going, and those will be hopefully in by next Sunday. So if you don't get one today, I just wanted to let you know we're going to, it starts in the Gospel of Luke. So if you really wanted to start with us Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, would be Luke 1, 2, 3 and you could still be starting and reading. Although it's not about achievement, right? It's about engagement. Uh, the church is glad to subsidize half of the cost of those, so we're just asking for a suggested donation of $5 if you have it. And if you don't, then feel free to take one anyway. We'd love for you to have that. Before we wrap it up, I'd love a quick video testimonial from one of our pastors on what this practice has meant to him in the last few months. So the CBR journal uh, has been really good to do with four other people on staff here. And uh, it's been good to watch their interaction with the biblical text. We're not doing in-depth Bible study. We're doing Bible reading. And then we each have something that stands out to us for the day. And so we write a little bit about that. A lot of times it's in the form of a prayer. And so I'll see these really neat prayers that come from the other members of my group. And it's scripture being prayed out. And so it, it's a good encouragement. I like the way that uh, it's arranged. They, they have a, a place where we start off with surrender and we just write out a little prayer of how we're gonna surrender this day. And then we read through the scripture and then we pray through our pen is what they call it. But there's adoration, thanksgiving, confession, and then supplication. And we have a text group that we all share. And so I'll text that out to them and one or two might like it. Somebody might respond to it. And then uh, somebody else will re respond and talk about what they found in the text that day. So it could be something different from everybody. Uh, we do need to be in God's word. And when we can be in God's word with other people, I think that we feed off the encouragement from one another. I think that it also gives us a little more incentive to be in the Word on a more daily basis. And I think in the long run, God delights to show us things about Himself. And when He shows us stuff and we can share with others, then it's a double blessing. 
and I receive that as well from other people. So I did just get the news that the journals are already gone. Mm. So we'll get those up for you next week. But again, Luke 1, 2, 3, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you can be talking to those in your community about starting a CBR group. So as we start a new year, we usually have some goals for ourselves, right? To look a little better, to adopt this habit, stop this practice. What if as we start a new year, as we start a new decade, the 2020s, what if we believe that the most powerful thing that we could do would be to make space for the words of God in our life and to share those words with others? Actually, that would be pretty foundational to any other changes that you might want to make. One verse that ties all of this together, Colossians 3.16, Paul writes this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Here Paul reveals how the Word abundantly dwells in a community. Each member of the community privately reads the Word. As it dwells in us richly, we prepare to teach and admonish other members of the community with the gospel message of Christ. So back to Psalm 19, the closing verses we read, they use the metaphor of the words of God being better than fine gold and sweeter than the best honey. If you boil those two down, you have what we seek after so often. You have riches and pleasure. You have money and entertainment. Being self-sufficient and being comfortable. And the wisdom of God speaks to us today and, and says... Knowing and following my truth is greater than any riches you can gather up. And keeping my commandments will provide a deeper satisfaction than anything you can run after in this world. So God's grace and peace be on us this year as we seek to live this out together. Because this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.